Welcome to the Glow Podcast with Dr. Land. Our purpose is to inspire and equip you to live a purposeful and maximized life that makes a glowing difference in your world to God's glory. For more inspiring content from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Now let's listen in and be inspired. about to do something. Our theme for the month, recover. Recover. 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 8. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, told him yes. Go after them. You, sh- you will surely recover everything that was taken from you. Everybody say, I will surely recover everything that was taken from me. The word recover has two meanings, two major meanings. The first one is to return to a normal state of health or mind and strength. And that is why I proclaim right now upon everyone watching me and anyone in this auditorium who is dealing with any disease or anything in their bodies, their mind, marriage, finances, where the devil has come in to steal things and to take away optimal health. I speak recovery to you right now in the name of Jesus. I speak recovery to you now in the name of Jesus. You recover to your full state of health. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The second meaning of recover is to find, reclaim, or to gain possession of something that was stolen from you or something that was misplaced or lost. So, some things belong to you and then they were stolen. They, were, they are missing, they are misplaced, or they are lost. So to recover, it means to reclaim them and to regain possession of them. So what we're doing this month is we are on a quest to find out what belongs to us in Christ and begins to, begin to reclaim them because they are ours. The devil has blinded us to them, and in that way, he has stolen them from us through blindness. But this month, God is going to open your eyes, and you are going to begin to see yourself the way God sees you. You are going to begin to see what you have in Christ, and then you will be able to recover those things back in the name of Jesus. So what we're going to be doing for the rest of this month, we have three more Sundays this month. I started it on Easter when I talk, I laid the foundation that the resurrection uh, is the foundation of everything that we have in Christ. 
if Jesus had not rest- resurrected, all the things we're going to be discussing for the rest of this month will not have been ours. This was what he possessed for us when he rose up again from the dead. So my sermon uh, continues today. I'm going to be speaking on what I titled throughout this month, In Christ. In Christ. Hallelujah. Everybody say, In Christ. In Christ. So we're reclaiming the benefit of our union in Christ. In Christ. Reclaiming the benefits of what? Our union in Christ. Now, somebody has said it this way, and I love it. I've never found a better way. He said that that phrase in Christ is the Rosetto, Rosetta Stone of the New Testament. The Rosetta Stone of the New Testament. I don't know if you guys know about the Rosetta Stone. So then, they, you know, they had different, you know, all these Egyptian hieroglyphics and, and all that. Like, you know, languages that were trying to interpret. And then nobody could interpret those things. Then they found this stone called the Rosetta Stone that had, you know, um, you know, inscribed on it what you could read and use to translate. So they used that to start using it to translate all the other ones. That's what the Rosetta Stone is. So in the New Testament, this phrase, in Christ, is the secret to understanding what the New Testament is all about. When you understand it, then the New Testament opens up for you. This is what Paul talked about. In fact, Paul said this was the mystery that God revealed to him. He said it was, a, it, was, it was a mystery. He said it was hidden to people up until then. But God revealed it to him. It was the message of Paul that God revealed this mystery to him. And he said that mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So this mystery is what we want to unveil little by little this month. This was the transformational point. That's why I try to teach this thing in one form or the other every year. This was the transformation thing for me. When I became a believer, and for some time I was wallowing in religion, discouraged, defeated, sick, and unhappy, sorrowful, melancholy, depressed, three years after becoming a believer. And one day I woke up, I was in college, in my first year of college, 1990, 1992. I woke up and I was frustrated with life. I was frustrated about my Christian life, everything. So I walked to the school library. I had this Gideon Bible, small Gideon Bible, New Testament. I don't know if you guys remember it. And I had it. And then, so I got to the library, I sat down, and I was weeping. Tears were just coming out. And I, I told God, I said, you know, paraphrasing, I don't remember clearly. You know, I, you know, like I'm tired and all that. I've not grown. I don't know what's the, you know, what's going on. My, you know, this falling sick, doing all this stuff. Like my life just didn't have, you know, the, had direction. My Christian life was not exciting. It wasn't an adventure. It was drudgery. So as I was crying and just weeping in there in the library, just I remember it very clearly. Just library, very you know, quiet place. I was weeping. My New Testament flipped open. My New Testament flipped open. My Gideon New Testament. You know, they usually have New Testament Psalms and Proverbs. So this time around, it did not open to the New Testament. It opened to Proverbs. So it opens to Proverbs chapter 18, verse uh, 19 and 20, I think. Proverbs 18, 19 and 20. There is, 
um, a man's belly or a man's innermost being will be filled with the increase of his lips. Uh, Proverbs 18, I think it's, I don't know. Is it, try verse 20. Is it 18 verse 20? Try that. Then it has a death and life and the power of the tongue. Yes, that's it. 18 verse 20. It said, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the food of his mouth. And with the increase of his leaves shall he be filled. And then the next one, verse 21, says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the food thereof. I don't know about you. I read, I've read the passage before. Wow, you guys are really taking care of me, man. Wow. Thank you. you know, <laughs> thank you very much. So, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it shall eat the food thereof. It just dawned on me. The word came to me. I will never forget. The word came to me and it said, the secret to the Christian life is in the use of your mouth. It said it's in the use of your mouth. It said you are going to be filled with what you say and you are going to reap the fruit of it. And what do you say? He said, go through the New Testament and find out who I have made you in Christ and what I have given to you in Christ and say them your life will be transformed. That's your answer. That was the answer for me. So once I got the direction, there was no computer, no iPhone. There was, in fact, I don't, at that point in my life, I'd never seen a computer before. So I went through the Bible the old-fashioned way. New Testament, the old-fashioned way. And I identified all the scriptures that said that spoke about in Christ, in him, in whom, through whom. I got 126 of them in the King James Version. Wow. And I began to meditate on them, speaking them daily, like a crazy man. I was doing it. It was as if nothing was happening. And then I looked back months after, and I saw that my fears had melted away. I saw that my confidence had, confidence had increased. I saw that I was actually enjoying a close relationship with God. And then I saw that the gifts of the Spirit started manifesting in my life. Praying for people and word of knowledge and all this stuff. Then I saw things just began to align in my life. That is how I became a pastor. That was all. That's all I was teaching. That's what pushed me into it. And that revelation became the foundation of the second phase of my Christian walk. The first phase was religion. You know, the second phase was life. And that life, you know, is what has continued. So I always want to share this. But I hope that this month when you hear it, you will actually do something about it. Because I'm not the only one that that has transformed. It has transformed the lives of other people. This is the key to the New Testament. All right. Let me explain to you why it has so much power. What does it mean? to be in union with Christ. Let me give you some illustration that I have used to help people understand it. What does it mean to be in union with Christ? The first thing, it's like a merger of two entities to become one. Everybody say a merger. You know, I love to use the salt illustration because when you put salt inside of water, even though salt and water are different, right? The salt just melts inside, right? And it becomes one thing. 
So when the Bible talks about in Christ, what Paul meant was that through a supernatural work of God, through a supernatural work of God, when you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he came into you and you became joined with him as one spirit. So when you become joined or merged with someone, everything that that person possesses becomes yours. And then everything that you possess becomes the other person's. All that needs to happen right now is for both parties to begin to ask or to yield so that that can manifest. So, for example, right now, God needed to talk to people in this auditorium and online. So he's borrowing my body. He made my body, right? But Christ in me is the hope of glory. So Christ says, I want to talk to people, but I need your mouth. So I am giving it to him. That is the mystery of consecration. When you consecrate your life, like we talked last month, to God's purpose and to God's plans, you are saying, God, you have me. And then you have access to everything that God asked you. It's a merger. It's a covenant. It is like, go to the next slide. It's like a marriage. Being in Christ is like what? It's like marriage. In marriage, you have one person, male, and you have the other person, female. Right? And the reason why it has to be male and female, right, is because they bring different things anatomically, physically, and spiritually, and in every way, in design, into it, so that now they become one new creature, a body, that can now produce. That is what marriage is about. So when you talk about being in Christ, it's a marriage. It's a covenant. In fact, the Bible tells us that one of the reasons why God instituted marriage in Ephesians chapter 5, you know, verse 27, there about it, you know, verse 28. Or so The reason why God instituted marriage is so that it can show the relationship between the church. Look at it. He said, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. She's talking about what Christ did for the church. Verse 28, please. Verse 28. Verse 28. It says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love to himself. That's why you can never separate me from my wife. You know what I mean is that you can't, you can't say, I do this for you. I can't. No, no, no. It's not possible. You can't come in between us. You get what I'm saying? Because he said, what? A man who loves you actually shows love for what? For himself. It's a body. It's a union. It, has, it is now one flesh. It is now what? One flesh. Look at it. Verse 28. He said, the reason, he says, no one ate his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. Verse, verse 30. And we are members of his body. Keep going. We are members of his body. And as the scripture says, a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, joined, united with his wife, and the two are united into what? Into what? So it's no longer two people anymore. It's now what? It's no longer two people. It's now what? It's no longer two people. It's now what? Why? Verse, verse 39. This is a great mystery. Whenever you say mystery, you understand? It's a great mystery. It is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are, are one. 
In other words, marriage is an illustration. Marriage is an illustration. Do you know that there's no, no, I mean, there's nothing that you can do to God that he will divorce you? And you know, we guys, we've been serious bad wives to the father. How many of you know what I'm talking about? To him. We've been terrible wives. We don't spend time with him. We don't do what he tells us to do. We don't submit to him. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so as a man, if your wife is doing that, and you say, I'm going to divorce her, you are making a mistake. One of the keys to this is, is one of the things that this mystery shows us is that even the fact that you choose to stay is a testimony. No matter what is going on, just the fact that you say, I will not leave you, not forsake you, is enough. I know, water's under the bridge. Terrible things happen. Sometimes you talk, you argue, you do all that, but stand there. Yeah, stay there. Now, of course, you know, I'm not talking about when somebody's about to kill you and all that. Don't stay there. Do you get what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? But I'm talking about irreconcilable differences. What is irreconcilable differences? It just means that somebody or somebody there is proud. Because you can reconcile all differences by saying, okay. What is irreconcilable differences? It's stupid. Somebody does not want to yield. There will always be irreconcilable differences in marriage. My wife and I, we have irre some irreconcilable differences. We still argue. We had one, we had one that we argue with alcohol. We're just joking and we're laughing, you know. I believe in vaccines. She's, you know, she's like, I'm not taking no vaccine. It's irreconcilable differences. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? I'm not being married in this place. And you have some differences that you just, with your wife or your husband, just say, let's just table that. Let's just continue living. Come on, wave your hand. Can you see it? <laughs> Thank you, brother, friend. <laughs> See what I'm talking about? It's like that. The union, you understand? The union is a union. There are issues that goes on in the union, but it is a union. It's like a marriage. Are you guys, are you guys getting it little by little? Are you getting it? It's like an interchange. It's a reciprocal union. It's a reciprocal union. What do I mean by you know, a reciprocal union? So, Basically, this union we're talking about, like the Son of Man, sorry, the Son of God became the Son of Man so that the Son of Man can become the sons of God. I would say reciprocal. He took on human nature so that we can take on divine nature. He took on sin so that we can take on his righteousness. He took on the curse on the cross so that we can take on his blessings. He took on our poverty. He became very poor so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's an, it's an interchange. It's a reciprocal union. He deliberately did it and became a human forever so that somebody can be representing us before the Father that is human and we can be representing him before people on earth that has God in them. Hallelujah. 
Another illustration in the Bible is that it is like the tree and its branches. In John chapter 15, it's like the tree, the vine and its branches. In John chapter 15 from verse 1, Jesus said, I am the vine and you guys are the branches. My father, I'm the grapevine. My father is the gardener, verse, verse 2. Then he goes on to say, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that does bear fruit so that they will produce even more. Verse, verse 3. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Verse 4. Verse 4. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot bear fruit, cannot, cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in. You get what I'm saying? So the union we're talking about is like the union of, you know, the vine, the branches, and the tree. Let me tell you something. Now, when you look at this right now, what do you call it? The vine. Isn't that, isn't that it? Is that not what you call it? This is what? The vine. Even though it has the fruit, it has the branches separate, but it is one thing. Everybody say one thing. It's one thing, but they are intermingled together. The characteristics, characteristics of the, of the, what do you call it, of the fruit is from the, from the tree. The characteristics of the branch is from the tree. The nourishment of the branch is from the tree. You cannot separate them. So as a believer, listen, as a New Testament Christian, you are the epitome of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Psalm 1, let's go to it. It shall be like what? A tree planted by the rivers of water. It brings forth its fruit in season. Its leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever it does shall prosper. When you understand who you are in Christ, you will know that that is talking about you. You are rooted in Christ. You are drawing sap, energy, nutrients from Jesus himself. You are inseparable from him as a believer. That's why Paul exclaimed, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing's present, nothing's to come, not angels, not principalities, not persecution, not suffering. Nothing in this world can ever separate us. We are inseparable eternally. He's like a baby in the mother's womb. Being in Christ is like a baby in the mother's womb. You, the baby is part of the mother's body, and it's also part, not part of the mother's body. The, the body, the, the mother is part of the baby's body, right? And it's also not part of the baby's body. In Christ, the word is en Christus in the, in, the, in the Greek. In Christ means that we are in the womb of Christ himself, and Christ is also in us. So there is, a, it is a constant exchange. Everything that the mother has when the baby is in there belongs to the child. And everything that the child has belongs to the mother. Before you can get to the child, you have to get to the mother. You have to get through the mother. That's why when the Bible says our lives are hidden with what? With Christ in God. Our lives are what's hidden. I want you to begin to see. Say, I am in Christ. Say, say, you guys are not saying it, but say, I am in Christ. You know, this is one of the things I tell people. I said, 
even though you might feel like you are not good, you don't look good, listen, it's because you are looking at yourself outside of Christ. You look better in Christ than you look outside of Christ. So stop looking at yourself outside, outside of Christ. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse, uh, verse 16. If from now on, we don't know anybody after the flesh. We don't know anybody after the flesh anymore. Because if any man is in Christ, we don't know anybody from a human point of view anymore. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. But now, anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. The whole life is? And the new one has? You are a new baby in Christ. You don't have a past. The same way this baby does not have a past, you don't have a past anymore. Your past has been wiped away. You have a glorious future ahead of you. You have been, listen, you have been born again. You have now been born into the royal family. You've been born, hallelujah, into the Abrahamic covenant. You've been born into the most powerful family upon the earth. You have a goodly heritage. You have a great heritage. Rejoice in your heritage. Walk like the child of the king. That's who you are. Talk like the child of the king. That's who you are. Dream like the child of the king. That's who you are. Hallelujah. My last illustration. It's like the human body. It's like the human body. Now, the human body, the head and the body are one. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the head and we are what? His body. Is it possible, anyone, please answer me, that Jesus Christ be dismembered? He was dismembered on the cross, but no more will he be dismembered. He cannot be beheaded. The way we live, we live as if Jesus Christ has been beheaded. So we are just bodies without heads. But I'm here to tell you that the head and the body are one. You are in Christ. The head is your head and you are part of his body, so you are totally intermingled with him. I will never meet Patrick and say, I met Patrick's head. Oh, I met Patrick's hand. No, I met Patrick. And that includes his head and his body. Stop separating yourself from Christ. If you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, stop separating yourself from Christ. Stop thinking it is heresy for somebody to say, I and Christ are one. That is what the New Testament is about. That's what distinguishes from the Old Testament. You are one with Christ. You are a little Christ walking in Chicago. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, Galatians 3.20, yet not high, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I live right now, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I and Christ are one. I and my Father are one. Galatians 2.20. Hallelujah. Come on, I, I need some excitement in this place. Come on, say, I am one with Christ. Come on, say, everybody, say, I am one with Christ. How can the head be alive and the body be dead? Is that possible? How can the head be justified and the members condemned? You say, you know what? We're going to be sending you to prison, but it's only your body we're sending to prison. We're going to separate your head from going to prison. No, if you are going to prison, your head and your body is going to prison. And Jesus Christ is not going to no prison, so you are not going into any spiritual prison. 
You are not in any spiritual prison. The only prison is ignorance. You are not in any spiritual prison. You are not limited. You are not limited. Christ is not limited. How can the head be spotless and the body that is in connection with be unholy? How can the head be raised up and the body be on the ground? That's why the Bible says you are raised up with Christ to sit with him in the heavenly places because he's not going to be dismembered. He's not going to raise the head and not raise the body. You just don't know it. You have been raised up far above all principalities and powers and everything that is on this earth. We need to start living that way. How can the body, the head be powerful and the body be weak? How can the body have authority? Sorry, how can the head have authority and the body has none? How can the head be victorious and the body be defeated? Something is wrong. And what is wrong is not what is. What is wrong is what is that we don't know. We have believed a lie. And we have been taught a lot of those lies in church. But this revelation of Paul the Apostle is supposed to free the body of Christ from living as mere men, from living as separated from God. Because the moment you became one with Christ, the moment you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, a supernatural transfer took place. A supernatural operation took place. And God joined you together with himself for all eternity. He feels your pain. He understands everything that you are going through. He's there for you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will always supply all your needs. In fact, he has provided for all your needs because you are one with him. You are exactly him. Your capabilities. That sounds better. <laughs> what you can do. Are you following? What you can do. How many of you know that there are certain things you can do because you have changed? Let me give you an illustration. If today a monkey becomes born again and becomes a human being, you understand? Let's just assume a monkey before just becomes born again as a human being. Do you know that what a monkey can do has changed? Right? The monkey can now talk and attend service. Right? That's exactly when we became born again. We were born into a new being. And there are certain capabilities that come with that. So we're going to be looking at that this month. Your deliverance. What have you been freed from? When we came into Christ, listen, when, you see that baby? When, you, when we came into Christ... There were there certain things that did not enter Christ with us. Are you getting what I'm saying? They did not enter Christ. They could not. They cannot enter that union. They cannot be part of that union. So there are certain things that broke off of us. But because our minds have not captured it, those things are still lying to us and they're still active in our lives. Even though they've been broken off of us. And then finally, your endowments. My God, that's my favorite there. Apart from being what you have received. When you came into Christ, just like if you became adopted into any other family, there are certain perks, privileges, and rights that come from it. When you came into Christ also, there are certain perks 
and privileges that came from that. Hallelujah. So that, it is these five areas that we want to explore in today and in the coming weeks. So let's go to number one. I just want to do number one today. The right to, I mean, your, to recover your access and your what? Your acceptance. Your access and acceptance. Everybody say access and acceptance. And, you know, I'm starting with this one because it's actually one of the, the biggest needs of people. A lot of things go on in our life because we don't know we are loved. And because we don't know that we have been accepted. Many of the religious things that we do as Christians, like we do religious things, we're doing it because we're trying to gain acceptance with God. Sometimes we're trying to gain access to God. And sometimes people preach it. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And then if you do that, then God will be able to do this. And then you'll be able to, you know, we, we preach those things. But the truth is this. There are certain things that God has granted you that you don't have to work for anymore. When it comes to acceptance, when it comes to access, there are certain open doors that are for you. And God's arms are definitely open towards you. Hallelujah. So that's what I just want to quickly explore today. So let's talk about acceptance. The first thing I want to talk about that is that you are fully accepted and unconditionally loved. Everybody say, I am unconditionally loved. Look up at me. Everybody, listen. God cannot stop loving you. Because he has nothing else. He's love. He cannot stop loving you. He has loved you before you existed. Are you listening? He loved you before you even had any kind of good in you. And he's not going to stop loving you because of anything you do or because of anything that's happened in your life. You cannot be separated from the love of God. Are you following me? Everybody say, God loves me. You know, in Romans chapter 5, Paul said, God commended his love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for. He said, for a righteous man, some people might die. But for a sinner, for somebody to go and die, for somebody who is really guilty. Uh -uh. He said, but God showed his love towards us. In that while we were sinners, while we were terrible, while we were not his children, he died for us while we were still sinners. He didn't die for us when you started going. He didn't die for you when you started going to church. He didn't die for you when you started tithing. He didn't die for you when you started doing goody, 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 goody work. He died for you when there was nothing, when you did not even exist. He died for you even before you showed up, before you committed the first sin. He died for you. He loved you before you even, you, I mean, while, while we were still sinners, he showed his love. So why will we not, if you keep on reading, so why will we be doubting God's love right now? Because it says, if we were enemies of God, go on. If we were enemies of God and he showed us love, what we will now do? You know, we'll be made right with God's sight by the blood of Jesus Christ. He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. If you do something for your enemies, you, do, you did something for your enemies, you love your enemies, when they now become your friend, even though they are still struggling, are you going to love them less? You are loved! Please, let me tell your neighbor, it doesn't matter if you love me or you don't love me. 
Come on, say. Say, I lo- I'm loved. Say, I have an oversupply of love. You know, we go through condemnation. Say, maybe God has stopped loving me. You know, because we have, be- we have been trained in, un- in conditional love. In our families, we've been trained with conditional love. Right? We tell our children, if you do this, we'll love you. If you don't do this, we won't love you. Um, you know, spouses, we tell ourselves, if, you know, the reason why I stopped loving you is because you did this. Or the reason why I didn't do that is because you did that. So we've been trained in conditional love. So when we're also approaching God, we're thinking in the term of conditional love. But I want to tell you that God is the source, is the being of unconditional love, agape love, the God kind of love that does not look at you. It's a commitment that cannot be shaken, that cannot be moved by action. It is a seed. Love. Loving kindness. That is what it is called. Loyal love that sticks to a person like Ruth stuck to Naomi. Even though she had lost everything, she showed loving kindness to Naomi and said, I'm going to follow you. Your God will be my God. Your people shall be my people. Anywhere you go, I will go. That is a seed love. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Anywhere you go, I will go. I will be with you. You might tell me to go back, but I will not leave you. Or you might not be doing all the things I wanted to do, but I will not leave you. I'll keep working on you. I love you. I'm accepted. Can you imagine what that did to me when I began to say that as a younger man? I'm accepted. I've been accepted into the royal family. I've been accepted into the greatest family in the world. It doesn't, it doesn't matter whether you don't accept me because of my skin color or because of the way I talk or because of what I have or don't have, but I've been accepted. I feel accepted. I am loved. I am blessed. I have love. God shows me love every day. Even when I look around me, I see his love. I see the flowers. And I see God giving me Valentine flowers. I see the moon and the stars. And I see God arranging a romantic candlelight. Candlelight evening for me. Hallelujah. I see the universe. And I see all the gifts and the blessings of God. I am loved. Hallelujah. He chose me. Romans 8 37. He chose, sorry, Ephesians 1 4. He chose me. He chose me. It was a, it was a love of choice. Even before he made the world, God loved us. Then he chose us in Christos. He loved me. Then he says, because of my love, I'll choose you to live. I'll choose you to express my salvation. I'll choose to call you. You guys think he's about to choose you. He chose you before you ever existed. If he did not choose you, you will not be in existence. Do you know how many sperms were released the day you were born? The day you were conv- con- con- conceived? Millions of them. But you are the only one that made it. Because you were chosen to show up. Listen, your life is not an accident. You are chosen. You are chosen for a purpose. You are chosen because of love. God allowed you to live in this world because he loved you. And God saved you because he loves you. You need to begin to rejoice in that love right now. Hallelujah. 
He chose me in Christ to be holy and without blame and without fault. Many people think that whenever, you know, you, know, you go to God in prayer every morning and you're like, God, the first thing I just want to do right now, Lord, just I want to confess my fault before you. And, you know, yesterday, you know, and last summer, you know, I did this, I did that, and I still feel bad about it. You know, and you keep talking and talking and talking, and God is talking to Jesus. God is talking to the angel. I'm like, ah, why is my daughter, why is my son always talking like this? Doesn't he know, doesn't she know what I have done? Doesn't she know that I don't see him or her based on what he or she does? I see them, I see him or her based on what you did, Christ. I see them, it is you, without fault, without blame. Not that, no, it doesn't mean that you are not without you are not without fault. Not that you are not without blame. No. But God sees you without fault and without blame. It's a decision. He saw you there because when he sees you, he sees you united with Christ and Christ has no fault and Christ has no blame. Come and begin to believe that. Stop looking at yourself from the human perspective. Start looking at yourself from the God perspective. And listen, don't be a fault finder. Because when you are a fault finder about people, you are looking at them outside of Christ. When you are a fault finder with your children, you are not seeing them with the eyes of Christ. That's not how God is. God is not picking on your fault. God is not always pointing, nitpicking at what you did wrong yesterday, what you did on last summer. He will teach you. He will correct you. But God loves you. Let's go to the next one because of our time. You are God's child. Everybody say, I'm God's child. No, I need you to say it boldly. Say, I am. Man, listen, in your Christian work, is it all about work? Is your Christian life all about work? Huh? Look at those kids. When was the last time you allowed God to spin you? When was the last time? Even when God wants to spin you, you say, God, wait. Wait, wait. <laughs> wait, wait. I have to preach that gospel to those people. Wait, 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 Lord. I have not done my morning prayer. Wait, 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 Lord. I have not done my devotion. I, say, eh, relax. I remember, you know, you know I, so I wake up every morning to do devotions. I mean, to do, you know, personal prayer with God at a particular time every day. And then, you know, sometimes I'm tired, right? Like, I'm tired. Like yesterday, you know. I, I'm tired, so. And then... So I just get to the place and I want to start praying and doing all my, this is what he did for me yesterday. And then I write it down. So this is my journal for whatever. And I just say the Spirit of God say to me, relax. Say just relax. I want to start my prayer you know, segment. Say relax. Say push that in a way. Say lie down. <laughs> and Relax. No, this must be the devil. I bind you, Satan. I, can't, I bind you, Satan. I, can I be relaxing when I'm supposed to be praying? I don't know where the Spirit of God says again, say relax. He said, if you pray, if you pray that way, that is not prayer. Prayer is your communication with me. And today, I just want you to lie down there, cover yourself with your blanket, and listen to me. What did he say? He makes me to lie down. Do you know do you need Joseph in that after I do that, or well, sometimes I would doze off and then I would just wake up and things would just start coming. The Holy Spirit speaking, and then I look at the I get into the Bible and things start speaking. You are too 
regulated. Are you listening to me? To what well, I'm trying to find that word. Rigid. Structured. What kind of structure is that? Pal, no structure. So just run into your room. But while I'm at work, I'll just see in my, uh, what do you call it? High message. Somebody's drawing something. And then we'll draw a heart or draw something. April. And then she'll take her picture on the bed or whatever. We did it. Disturbing me. But it's fine. I love it. But it's unstructured. We have become too structured in our relationship with God. Are you listening to me? The structure that you see in the Old Testament, the high priest and all that, is to get us into this unstructured relationship. Are you listening to me? The structure, all those sacrificial system, is so that we can cross the, the gap, the chasm. Amen. And get into the place where we can walk with him and flow with his spirit. That's why those structures are there. Those structures are not now for us to maintain them. Amen. Jesus Christ is our high priest. He has opened the way once and for all. We can now enter into the holiest. We can batch into the presence of God now. Hallelujah. We dare not do that in the Old Testament. You are God's child. Ephesians 1.5 Having predestined us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I was the adoption. Hey, I love Romans 8. This one I love. You know, Romans 8, 16, verse 17. It says, for the spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are what? God's, yes. And here's of, here's of God's glory. If we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. That one we'll talk about that later. But the fact is that we are what? We are God's what? I must say God's children. Say this, we have a spirit. We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba Father. We call him Daddy. Come on, play something for me. Thank you. He's going to help me. Hey, we call him Daddy. I love this one. Hebrews 2 verse 11. Even Jesus Christ. You know sometimes when, when a child is adopted. You know the elder brother syndrome. The elder brother syndrome in the prodigal son that was jealous when the father, the son came back. They said, Jesus Christ is not jealous. He said, so now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father because we've been joined with Christ. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Everybody say, Jesus is my brother. If Jesus is not ashamed to call you a brother, why are you ashamed to call him your brother? Can you shout it out? Like, say, Jesus is my covenant brother. I have a multifaceted relationship with Jesus. He's my Lord. He's my brother. He's my friend. He's my co-here with the Father. He's my master. He's my Lord. He's my teacher. He's everything to me because I am in him. Jesus and I are in covenant relationship. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Third one. Third one. You have unrestricted access to God. Somebody needs to rejoice at this. Someone say, I have unrestricted access to God. This is what I was trying to talk about. You know, the high priest and the other. And so you, when you read all those, like we've been doing in Bible master class, so you will think that all those things, you know, we used to do, 
uh, the sacrifice, all those things, they don't matter anymore. The only thing that matters right now is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the high priestly ministry of Jesus Christ in the presence of the Father for you. Now you are supposed to enjoy the benefit of access, not to gain access. Are you listening to me? The door is open. Why are you trying to open a door that has been opened? Is that not? Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, open the door. If I can just get into your presence. Oh Lord, oh Lord. You, you know, and God will look at you. God, God will say, Michael, Michael, is the door closed? Did you forget? You know, Michael said, Dear Father, it was open on the cross of Calvary and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was open. Ah, so why is, uh, you know, why she's, and he, why, why, why are they praying, still praying that way? Uh, he, he, you know, you know they still, they don't know. But, you know, we just have to have, let the Holy Spirit teach them for them to know that they have unrestricted access to you now. God has left the judgment house. is now in the family house. Are you listening to me? It's like if you have a father who is a judge and he's also your father. When he's wearing the robe, he's there. But when he's in the house, you don't care whether he's wearing his robe or not wearing his robe. You take the robe from him and jump on him because he's daddy. He's daddy. He's daddy. I know my God is the God of the universe, but he's the daddy of mine. He might be the judge for everybody, but he's daddy to me. I might be pastor to everybody, but I'm, I'm daddy to Jesse. I'm daddy to Joshua. I'm daddy to Paul. So they don't have to treat me like pastor. They treat me like daddy. Amen. Unrestricted access in Christ. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Oh man, I love it. Hebrews 4, chapter 14, I mean verse, verse 14 to 16. He says, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered, everybody say he has entered. You know, they have to, the other priests in the Old Testament, they have to enter and come out. Do you get it? They enter and come out, and then every once a year, on the day of atonement, they are both he entered and stayed there. Who has entered? Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believed. Verse 15. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help when we need it the most. Because he has entered in front of us. We can enter. The door is open. Stop running away from God. Stop saying, oh God, if my pastor can only pray for me, if I can only get that prophet to pray for me, the prophet has an entrance, the pastor has entrance, you have entrance, get in there and talk to God. God does not have grandchildren. God only has children. Someone would behave as if, you know, God has grandchildren. Or sugar daddies. Or uncles with influence. So you say, uncle, uncle's pastor, uncle prophet, could you help me talk to the Lord? And then, of course, the prophet enjoys that because it makes him feel very important. But if the prophet is true, he will tell you, you too, you have access. I know I carry a ministry to do certain things, but no, that ministry is supposed to lead you into access of God, not to make you dependent on me. 
Hallelujah. Somebody lift up your hand and say, I have access. Say, I have unrestricted access. Ephesians 3.12. I want you all to, I want you to repeat Ephesians 3.12 now as it shows it. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 12. I want you to say, one to go. One to go. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God. Because of who? Because of Christ. Not because of you. Not because of you. If you think it's because of you, then when you do something wrong, you think you can't go into his presence. No, it's because of Christ. Your relationship with God is not based on you. It's based on Christ. It is your righteousness. It is your standing. It is your access. Hallelujah. It's your access. Come on, help me, help me, help me, help me, please, Lorenzo. Help me, help me, help me, help me. It's your access. Have I said it's my access? Ephesians 2 6. He has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places. In Jesus Christ. Everybody say, in Christ, I am now seated. I have access. I am now seated. Stop behaving as if you are still far away from the presence of God. You are seated. You have access. 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 If Hebrews 10, 19 to 20, having therefore brethren, boldness, to enter into the holiest, by the most holy place that only the priest could get to. Now we can boldly crash in there. Amen. Into the most holy place. Let's go. By a new, he opened a new and life-giving way. Jesus opened a new and life-giving way. Now the way is open. The tabernacle, put it there. The heavenly tabernacle, the heavenly holiest, is now open unto every one of us now. Everybody can now go in without the need of a human priest. Jesus has become our eternal high priest. Amen. We have a great high priest now that rules over God's house. And it's Jesus Christ. Amen. Somebody say, I have access. Say, my prayers are powerful and effective because I have access. Woo! Some people have told me, sometimes I don't understand when I read the Bible. It's like a veil, you know, it's there. And I just, I just can't get in there. I tell them, I said, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a veil that is there when you are not in Christ. But when you are in Christ, the veil is taken away. Second Corinthians 3, verse 14. What you need to do is to start saying the veil has been taken away. Therefore, I can see the truth of my father. My father is talking to me. Second Corinthians 3, 14. Their minds were blinded until this day. Re, the, until this day and remains. Amen. The people's mind were hardened and this day, whenever the whole covenant is being read, the same veil covers their mind so they cannot understand truth. This veil can be removed only by being in, by believing in. The said, the Bible is an open book for me now. I have access to his truth. The way has been made for you for revelation. You don't need the Urim and the Tumim anymore to know what to do. Amen. You have the word of God. The lamp onto your feet and the light onto your path. You have the Holy Spirit right now who is ever with you. And he will tell you what to do. He will tell you what to do. He will show you what to do about every aspect of your life. You will just ask him. Let me see if I, I'm able to get it to the end or not. I'll continue next week. Okay, good. I have one more. No, I have two more. Let's read quickly. Number D. You are qualified. Everybody say qualified. To enjoy 
all the blessings of relationship with God. Everybody say qualified. Stamped. You know the devil tells you sometimes, ah, uh, that thing that you you are praying for or that you see in the Bible, mm, that is not for you. That is for those who have lived good lives. That is for Pastor Debor. That is for Pastor Omar. You know, that is, you know, for holy people like Brother Fred. <laughs> it is not for you. Okay, so let's go to some other things. That one is not for you. It's a lie of the devil. Are you listening to me? It's a lie of the devil. You are qualified. Everybody say, I'm qualified. I'm qualified. You were qualified by Christ. Colossians 1.12. You are qualified in Christ. Because Christ is qualified, you are qualified. Colossians 1.12. Giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you. I love the translation that says he has qualified. You know, maybe an NIV or so. He has enabled you. Enabled is also very powerful, but I love that qualified. He said, who has qualified you? Everybody say, I've been qualified to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Everybody shout it out. Say, I'm qualified. Say, I'm qualified for healing. Say, I'm qualified for direction. I'm qualified for fulfilling my calling. I'm qualified for marriage. I'm qualified for children. I'm qualified for progress. I'm qualified for all the inheritance. I'm qualified to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. I'm qualified to be a blessing to my world. I'm qualified. I'm qualified. I'm qualified. My past has not disqualified me. My past sins have not disqualified me. I know. I know. I did a lot of bad things. I painted the town red. I sold my wild heart. But listen, my qualification is Jesus. The moment I came into Christ and became one with him, I became qualified for everything Jesus is qualified for. If Jesus is qualified for joy, I'm qualified for joy. If Jesus is qualified to use the power of God, I'm qualified to use the power of God. If Jesus is qualified to enter heaven, I'm qualified to enter heaven. If Jesus is qualified to pray and have his prayer answered, I'm qualified to have my prayer answered. If Jesus is qualified to live with God for all eternity, I'm qualified to live with God for all eternity. If Jesus is qualified to enter anything or do anything, I'm qualified because he has become my qualification. I am one with him. We cannot be separated. What God has done together like no man put asunder take it everybody do that take it take it come on do it take it take your inheritance that's a prophetic movement take it take it take what belongs to you take what belongs to you in the bible take what belongs to you in this city take what belongs to you you have a goodly heritage the heritage of the levite is god himself is their inheritance is your lot you have a goodly heritage Take it. Take your job. Take your family. Take your destiny. Take your ministry. Take your calling. Take your deliverance. Take your forgiveness. Take your healing. Take it. I am qualified. I am qualified. First John chapter 5 verse 14 to 15. This is the confidence that we have in him that in, we have in approaching him I love that in approaching God we have a confidence in approaching him that if we ask anything any 
thank according to his will he hears us not he may hear us, us he hears us every time you pray according to the bible according to the word he hears you and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have what we asked of we know it we know it epignosis hallelujah we know it we have confidence that we have it so i'm telling you the prayers that you have prayed in line with the word of god even though you have not seen them it does not mean they've been denied they're coming to pass you're coming to pass they're going to be answered in fact they've already been answered you are just ready to receive it but you can start receiving those prayers right now i want to tell you something your prayers have not been wasted your 5 a.m prayers have not been wasted your 6 a.m prayers have not been wasted your 21 days of prayer and fasting they've not been wasted they've been stored in god's house it's fragrance without god and they're coming to pass they will come to pass in your lifetime in the lives of your children of your grandchildren you have access you have confidence come on rejoice and give god praise you are qualified my final point my final point you are forever represented before god You are forever represented before. You don't need a public defender. You have your own attorney. And it's your brother. And let me lend you to one secret. The father is your judge. The system is rigged in your favor. The system is rigged against the devil. The devil has great argument. Like he had great argument concerning Job. He will stand before the court of heaven and say, Ah, is it Sheila? Oh, is it Peter? Oh, is it Lan? Uh, last summer, I know what he did. Last winter, I know what he did. When he was 17, I know what he did. And then when he was 45, I knew what he did. You think, is that the person you want to bless? Is that the person you want to bless? Isn't this what you said in your word? Isn't it what you said in your word? And then Jesus will say, shut up. I am the word. And the word says, there is now therefore no condemnation to them who are in there is now no condemnation to them who are in. So the moment they came into Christ, a law came into operation. Different from the law of sin and death. The law of seed and harvest of death. But now, there is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not the flesh but after the spirit. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 and verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and set them free from the normal law of sin and death. There is a new kind of judgment for them and that judgment is speaking mercy. They are no longer operating under the blood of Abel that cried vengeance. They are now operating under the blood of Jesus Christ that cries mercy. Hallelujah. 
that's what Paul was saying, and this is where I'm going to end. In Romans chapter 8, verse 34. If I let's start from verse 32, verse 32, after Paul talked about this truth of redemption, and then he talked about his own personal struggle. Then he got to chapter 8 and said, This is what made uh, this is what made a difference for me. Then in verse 32, he says, start from verse 31. What shall we say then? Come on, rise up on your feet, everybody. What shall we say then? In response to all these things that I've shared with you about what Christ has done for you or what who you are in Christ. What shall we say then? Guys, what shall we say then to what you have heard today? If God be for you, who can be against you? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him or gave him up for us, how will he not also with him, with him, in him, freely or graciously give us what? Now, who will bring any charge against God's chosen? Who has the right to come before the God of heaven and begin to accuse me? Satan, you have no right, number one, because it is God who chooses who he justifies. Number two, it is Christ who died. More than that, it is Christ who was raised to life and is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So who are you to condemn me before God? The judge is my father. My attorney is my brother. Hallelujah. And my freedom is his death and his resurrection. And the blood has been shed. Who can be against me? Oh, that's why Paul continued. Listen. Who, go, 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 go. That's why he continued. He said, who shall separate us from the love of God or the love of Christ? I want you to say no when I say those things. Shall trouble or hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, as it is written, for your sakes, we face death all day long. We are considered to be, to be as sheep to be slaughtered. That's Jesus talking. Verse 36. No. Everybody say no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. And I have become of that. I am convinced. I am convinced. Everybody say I'm convinced. That neither death nor life neither angels nor demons the present or in the future or any powers come on come on go to the next one or any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in that is in that is in Come on, begin to rejoice because you are loved. You are secured. Come on, come on, come on, rejoice in him. You are secured. You are secured. You are secured. You are secured. Thanks for listening to the Globe Podcast. We trust you were blessed and inspired. For more contents from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.
keep glowing. See you next time.